This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, I want us to jump right into it. I'm going to pray and then start with, with this specific idea of God's pleasure and God's reward. So, Father, thank you that even as we are sitting here, Lord, you, there's some things in your thoughts. Some, Lord, you have, you have thoughts about us, and your thoughts are different than ours. Your ways are different, Father. And as we come, Lord, to sit under your word, we thank you that it is your word that changes us, that transforms us, that is that life. It's not the opinion of man. It's not my opinion, Lord. It's your word, your eternal word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you breathe on the word, that you will increase, and Lord, that there will be fruit coming from this word this morning in our hearts. Change us, heal us, deliver us, so that we can know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to take communion at the end, and, uh, and we're going to just celebrate each other. So it's going to be a bit different, but um, let's go for it. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Um, normally, we as a church, we really believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel starts with repentance. The gospel starts with you and I realizing we need God. And we are sinners, we need to repent of that sin. Um, God isn't pleased with sin. God isn't pleased with a lot of things that are happening in the world and especially injustice. So we will never change the fact that God in being is holy. He loves us, but in being, He is a holy God. He's different. His ways are higher. His thoughts are different. And, and for us as a church, it's a, it's a challenge to sort of find your way through, through this life and especially when so many Christians today begin to change the gospel. They begin to change the perception of God and they begin to compromise sometimes because the world puts pressure on us. The world puts pressure on us to say, look here, yeah, things have changed. It's not the same like it was 20 years ago. But you know what? Nothing has really changed concerning the word of God and God. He is unchangeable. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And you and I can say we can stand on that word. That word will not change. Amen? Today I'm going to talk a bit about the love side of God and how God feels about you and I when we serve Him, when we, when we are here like this morning, because you could have been many other places. You could have been out there in nature, it's a beautiful day, you could have been running up and down, or maybe just the spirit of duvet all over you, um, you know. So, so you are here, maybe somebody invited you and said you must come to this baby dedication, and great, you made it, hallelujah, okay, so... Um, I think for people that would focus on the fear of God and the holiness of God, sometimes we forget of how God feels about us. Uh, because we can easily start to look at ourselves and we try to change ourselves. Um, and we say, like, hey, I'm, I'm striving, I'm really trying to, to be this good Christian. And, and yet when we look at Jesus' life and that scripture in Luke chapter 3, it says, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Um, the, the start of Jesus' ministry comes from a place where he did nothing significant, nothing successful. He was not 
He was not healing people. He was not delivering people. He wasn't fasting and praying. He was, he was doing nothing really, really significant that we know of. There's one scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, just before that, that says Jesus green stature in favor with God, in favor with man. So, so we sort of know that, yes, he was obedient. He went to the temple when he was a child. He was a carpenter. So he made a lot of furniture. And yet, as he embarks on this journey, as he comes at this baptism with John the Baptist, the father stops everything. And there's three times that the father spoke audibly in Scripture in the New Testament. And two of them was concerning these issues. The one was directly to Jesus. And he says, you are my beloved son. You are the son that I love. And I am pleased with you. And that word for please is the word eudokio, to think well of, to approve, to approbate, to endorse, or to, inf to affirm. And um, I, I, I want to ask you a question. If you have got a piece of paper, I want you to write it down quickly. I want you to think, if God thinks about you, what does he think? Just you personally, as you're sitting there, if, if you think God's perception of you, you're going to need to be very honest now, okay? Be very honest. What do you think if God, God, is, God is here today and he's got thoughts towards you, what are those thoughts? What would you think are those thoughts today? Write it down. Or just think it, don't say it out loud. But if we're really honest, okay, now let me give you 30 more seconds. Okay, think, think, write one or two things down. Not, not intellectually, what do you really think in your heart? What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? I bet you if we would go through the congregation, then most people would say, um, you're trying very hard. Uh, you, you, you're, uh, you're a semi-good Christian, but you're not making it. You're not spiritual enough. Or if your answer was concerning works or things that you have done right or wrong, then most probably that, that is not at the center of God's thoughts towards us. And we grow up in a culture where we, where we always think of the outcome. Is there any accountants here? Any accountants in this place? I also studied accountancy, but accountants wants to know the bottom line. So we think like, or engineers, accountants and engineers, let's throw them all in the same bus, okay? We always think like, what is the outcome, you know? And, and so we think sometimes, and I, I want you to, to hear me now, we think that God thinks of us as a project, and he doesn't. He thinks in terms of us as family and children. And that's why it's so important that when we start of God's pleasure, we're talking about what is God pleased with, then it's so important that you and I realize that God takes pleasure in his people. God is actually, he loves it to be around us. <laughs> I always thought he's this old man with a stick up there that's just going to beat me when I'm not, you know. And then I've got this blackboard of right and wrong and if the ticks of the on the right hand side is better than the wrong side then ah, I'm a good Christian you know or 
I'm better than Peter. Lord, have you seen Peter? <laughs> you know, how he sins, you know. I'm, I'm at least, you know, I fasted or whatever, you know. So sometimes we think in terms of works, but if the father says to Jesus, who grew up in an environment where a lot of people say that he was illegitimate, he was not making it because, you know, he was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. He was born in adultery. That's what lots of people said. They, they put a label of illegitimacy on him. And he grew up with that illegitimacy. And so before he goes on to ministry, the father just stops everything. He's, there's masses of people there at the baptism. And he says, well, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Sure. To be pleased with somebody, to think well, to approve, to approbate, to endorse, to affirm. Okay. So listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God. So when you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we seek him, it says when, when you want to please God, because, you know, how does this faith thing works, work then? It means that when you seek him and, and you come, like even this morning, and you say, Lord, I'll... I don't always feel like it. My flesh wants to submit to the spirit of Duvay and my emotions are out there and I didn't have a great week. But, but Lord, I'm coming to seek you. I'm coming to church because I, I want to have an encounter with you. I want to know you in a greater way. That is faith. Faith isn't like, hey, look at the outcome or look at the prosperity or look at the breakthrough. Faith is in essence to come to God to diligently seek him. And then realizing that while he's going to reward you, with what? With breakthrough? Uh-uh. With his presence. Okay, so let, let me, let me get, get to a story here in Hebrews chapter 11 of Moses. This, this talks about Moses. Hebrews chapter 11 is the passage on faith. And so it continues after that Hebrews 11 verse 6 that we just read. And it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You can almost read the story and miss the whole point. <laughs> By faith, the parents hid this child because they saw that he was beautiful. Now, okay, this one is beautiful. Oh, this one is an ugly child. Let's leave him. Let's, let's let him be killed. And this one is beautiful, you know, so... <laughs> But have you seen most children when they get born, they are quite not beautiful, okay? All the parents, can you agree with that? You know, they put the pictures on there, you know, and they think like, no, you're not so beautiful, you know? You're like, everything is like everything, you know? I had to, had to transform a little bit to get into this life. But, but now when they're up here, they're beautiful, you know? But so, why does it say that child was beautiful? Because God obviously spoke to his parents about Something about him, something about his call, something about what God would see in that child. And therefore, they could stand against all the fear. They could run and, and say, let's hit this child. Let's trust God. Because God saw that child as beautiful. God saw something in that child. And the parents, obviously, also. And so, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. We know Moses was, grew up in the palace and he had all the pleasures of sin. But there was something else in Moses about his relationship with God. 
And he said, I'll rather go through tough times, I'll rather say no to the pleasure of sin because I want to know God's pleasure and how God is pleased. And I want to please God. So he goes on in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, talking about Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward. Again, that same thing that we read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he would, he would, he would destroy the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So it talks about the story of Moses, and Moses was probably one of the best leaders of taking this group of Israelites out of the old patterns and the old slavery, and it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus came to do with us through salvation. But, but the, the writer to the Hebrews talks about this faith thing, and it says, well, Moses made a switch somewhere. <laughs> Moses had this option of the king's palace and the pleasures, which represents the world today, and he opted for something else. He said, I would rather go through suffering and tough times because there was something on the other side. I saw God's reward. I, I saw something different. I saw the presence of God. And let's, let's jump a little bit. Are you all still with me? Just wave at me if you're with me. Okay, cool. Ex Exodus 3 verse 9. This is now... God speaking to Moses after they came out of the land of slavery. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So God says, I've heard the cry of my people, and I've seen their oppression. And Moses, this is at the burning bush, we're going to do something about it. So he says, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence in Exodus 33 now... Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For now, how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we see this moment where God encounters Moses. He's taken him out of the palace, out of the pleasure of sin, and now they're on this mountain first, and they're connecting with God. He's connecting with God, and God says to him, look here, I want these people to come out. I've seen their cry, I've seen their slavery, but I want you to bring them to this mountain because I want them to worship me here. We're going to have a time of intimacy and you're going to know my presence here. The amazing thing is that God does not focus on the promised land. Where most Christians want to say, well, the reward is the promised land. God says the reward isn't the promised land. It's not the breakthrough in your life. The reward is me. And when you and I know the presence of God in our lives and we begin to value the presence of God in our lives, we begin to find out that being with God is not just something amazing for us, but it's also that's what He has intended us to be with, is be with Him. 
And he's not a distance God. He's not an up there God. And that's why, you know, the problem with Moses and these guys, then when they come there, they see the smoke, they see the mountain, you know, and the God actually said to them, when you come to this mountain, you know, just for three days, cleanse yourself and put a fence around it because I, I am a holy God and you're going to die here if you don't do the right way, if you don't do the stuff in the right way. And then they say, no, no, Moses, you go up, you get the Ten Commandments, give us a set of rules. Because man always, we want to live by rules. We want to live by outcomes so that we can control our environment. Because it's easier to control people if they're from a, at a distance. But when, they, when they're part of your marriage or part of your life, you can't pretend anything. Would you agree with me? Okay? That's why family can be so tough. Because that person lives with you. They know exactly what you do. You cannot hide. They've seen your most bad hair days ever. And you cannot hide. You know? But isn't it amazing, we try, we try in essence, when we become religious, we try to hide from God, and then we try to live our relationship with God through somebody else. So you see a lot of Christians, they listen to the one sermon after the other one, but they never spend time with God themselves, and, and they're in trouble. Because they, again, looking for another reward. We see a lot of Christians, especially in the charismatic church, that would like preach prosperity, and say, hey, just come, give to God and he's going to prosper you, he's going to bless you, you know. Give your 50 rand and you're going to receive 500. And then you think like, it's missing the whole desire of what does God find pleasure in? God actually loves it to be with us. So when you wake up in the morning, it's not about, I must have a quiet time because do you know what? <gasps> I'm not going to be a good Christian. I'm not going to be good enough if I don't have a quiet time. If I don't like, spend three hours with the Lord because Smith Wigglesworth did that, you know. And if I don't pray over all the dead corpses, you know, what, 20 rows from the dead through his ministry. But at least I want five. I want five. I want five to be a good Christian. But if you and I don't know that God is our reward, we're going to be in trouble because then we're going to have a distant relationship with him. And this is what Moses says here in Exodus 33. He says, Lord, we can go into that promised land, but you know what? We're not going to go. Because the most valuable thing of the promised land is your presence, not the breakthrough of the promised land. <laughs> because even in that promised land, there are great giants, and we can do all this great stuff, but eventually we'll just end up in slavery because then the breakthrough will become an idol. Isn't it like that? That God blesses us with that child sometimes. And then we forget about God. The blessing becomes an idol. And I must say this, and I'm going to say this quite tough now, but listen to me. The problem in Stellenbosch is that God is just another option. So I've got my calendar, and you know what? I'm going to fit God somewhere in there. But my busy lifestyle, my busy this, my busy that... I'm planning six months ahead for that holiday or that weekend away, and we're going to talk about that weekend, and there's nothing wrong with that. But how many times do we plan for the things of God in the same way? Sure. Sure. I walked in the street, I think it was about two years ago, and I was, I was saying, Lord, why? Why do so many people come and then they go and they like... Yeah, 
in church and why do why do people here in Stellenbosch what's what's the what's the challenge and the Lord said it so clearly to me he said to me I am just another option for them I said Lord please have mercy on us because you must be our number one with a no number two so your marriage cannot take preference before God your children cannot take preference before God your work cannot take preference before God your church cannot take preference before God your successes cannot take preference before God can I get some amens <laughs> come on where's all the black people they say amen the best come on huh? yeah you can listen to them yeah so amazing in the worship all the black people are like no 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 go go yeah yeah and then the white is also like, we're like mm. this is a bit noisy you know this is a bit noisy yeah but that's why we must have church like this you know we can't just be you know top deck is the best chocolate white and black mixed eh? it's wonderful okay but so you can't just have fruit and nuts okay but in any case so. <laughs> and somebody say I mean I just appreciated it so much when the band was standing here and and you can see some has got rhythm and some hasn't got but that's all right you know but hallelujah <laughs> Listen to this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 4. But, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Sure. Now we feel good, eh? Sorry, if you thought that Christian is just, Christianity is just a fun ride. Sorry. Sorry. Sign up to another social club. This isn't a social club. Because scripture is very clear that perilous times will come. And he says this, because for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. The worldly pleasure versus God's pleasure and finding your, your, to please God and what he is pleased with, the world's pleasure will be a form of godliness. It will be, feel very religious. So when you go to the mall, do you know they design the mall in such a way that they play very soft music? They design most malls today that it feels like church. It's not boom, 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 boom music. It's reverential worship they design malls today to feel like worship because when you walk in there it actually says spend on me buy me buy me buy me buy and ladies i'm not going to say anything more okay okay quick four things what does god promise us he says when we hunger and thirst for him and for his righteousness, we shall be filled. Matthew 5 or 6. Filled means that we shall say, imagine you're going to eat this meal, and at the end of this meal you say, that was pleasurable, that was amazing. That malfa pudding and flour custard was like amazing. And you say like, whoa, you're filled. In the same way, when we're hungry and thirsty for him, 
not for the things of this world, not for the stuff of this world, we shall be filled. Don't fall for the lie that the things of this world will fill you. It will not. What you drive, where you live, where you go on holiday, those things can add to your life, but it cannot fill you in your deepest need and desire. Only God can. Can I get an amen? Okay. Come on, people. Don't fall for the lie because the devil lies to us. This world lies to us and says you're going to be more fulfilled if you wear that, if you do that, if you've been there, done that, and bought that T-shirt. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You will never be full. You'll stand there with that trophy or that big degree or whatever, nothing wrong with degrees, with that stuff, but it will not fool you. It will make you feel very empty. Ask Europe today. Look at the depression percentage in Europe today. They've got everything. The train stops at on the second. Everything is working. And you walk up to the average person, you, you go into that train and everybody's like... Don't make eye contact. It's sin. I'm going to be in my hole. I'm going to be like... And people are suffering with anxiety and depression and fear like never before. It's only God that fills. Listen to this in Psalm 149 verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. God takes pleasure in you and me. God is excited when you say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to the things of the world. And God, I'm going to, I want you to humble me with salvation. I'm going to put on humility when I come to you because I realize how much I need you. I realize I'm here to worship you. Sure. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Do you know God's people is beautiful to him? Just like those parents looked at Moses and said, this is a beautiful child, not just because he's got a calling, but because he's been made in the image of God. Do you know how God felt about you when you got born? And the Bible says it's almost like God comes and he puts ornaments on you. He puts jewelry on you, but spiritual jewelry. <laughs> he says when... When he takes pleasure in you, when you come in humility, because you have to come with a specific way, you have to come through the door that is Jesus' salvation. The church cannot save you. It's only when you have a relationship with Jesus and you come in through that humility of that door of being saved, being born again, and you say yes to him, to the call of God on your life. Then he says, I'm going to put jewelry on you. Now, I've lost all the men, but the lady's like, oh, speak it, pastor. Speak it, you know. <laughs> Have you, seen, have you ever seen a girl when she gets engaged and she comes to church? Huh? And that ring is on that finger. The worship is different. All of heaven, Lord, declares your praise, yeah? But it's amazing that it's just this left hand, you know, this one supports, but it's like rock of ages, yeah? But the moment when you get that ring, guys, when you put it on her finger, something changes inside of her. Sometimes it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but hallelujah, you're going to get through that season as well. All the engaged people know what we're talking about, eh, Anshin? But so, the amazing thing is something changes. The moment when you say there's going to be a date, there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb, 
There's a seal. Do you know the word for the Holy Spirit is Arabon? It's a deposit, but it's actually an engagement ring. That's what the, the word for the Holy Spirit, where God says, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit as my bride to myself. He says, I'm putting an engagement ring on you because there's a day. There's a day when we're going to be married to him. There's a day when the wedding supper of the Lamb is going to come. And that's, that's amazing. Look at any bride that is looking for her bridegroom and that is waiting for that day. There's something that God has created in that way that one day we're going to see him and that we take pleasure in, that one day all of this suffering is going to be over and we're going to see him for who he really is. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> and there's a space for you. There's a place at that table for you and me, but you have to say yes. You have to RSVP today. <laughs> you can't just rock up there and say, oh, you know, I thought it was jeans and pluckies and hoi for sun, you know. But that's not that, you know. You have to find out what the dress code is, and the dress code is the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's the garment of salvation. <laughs> But that ring, when God begins to beautify his people, when you spend time with him, when you worship him, even your most confusing moment when you just stand before, before him and you say, Lord, I, I just want to run away. Everything inside of me want to run away, but I come to present myself to you because I know who you are. Oh, then God begins to beautify you. He says, my Holy Spirit will comfort you. I'll bring you out. I'll heal you. I'll deliver you. I'll set you free from where you are. So that you can see me, because it's not about fixing yourself, it's about seeing who he is. God takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Listen to this, Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. When we fear him, we say, okay, yes, Lord, I know that you are God. You're not my buddy. I'm not playing games here. You are the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. He takes pleasure in those who fear him. God takes pleasure when you say, God, I say no. And even if it's a battle, you just say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in. Last scripture. And then I want us to take those four scriptures. I want you to write it down. And we're going to take communion around it. We're going we're gonna to take a five minutes and we're going to pray it over each other. So, so I'm going to read all four of them again, and then what we're going to do is we're going to, I want you to think of the one that stands out for you, but let's read the last one. Revelations 4 verse 11. This is now worship in the presence of God. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, and a lot of translations says, by your pleasure they exist and were created. You have been created to worship him. I've been created for his pleasure. I've not been created for my own pleasures. I've not been created for the pleasures of this world. But you'll be filled. You'll have a relationship with him that despite what happens on the outside, the joy, the peace, the fullness of God to know him is the greatest thing ever. Don't let the devil lie to you about the value and the worth of the presence of God. And that's why he says, when these people worship him, they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, nature and me, and by your pleasure they exist. I exist for his will, I exist for his pleasure, and I, were crea I was created, we were created 
to worship him and for his pleasure. Sure. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.